Welcome to Think Smart, Feel Smart, Live Smart. I'm V. Vincy, Registered Counselor, Relationship and Family Therapist and Founder of Headquarters Counselling Services. This podcast aims to break down the overwhelm of life and equip you with a toolbox of knowledge, tips and tricks to help you live your best life. This raw, real and unproduced podcast uses audio taken from my weekly live broadcast in the HQCS Community Facebook group. You can find a link to the community in the episode notes. It's free to join. Now let's get started. I am going to get started because I've got a little bit of info. You know, I'm a bit of an over-deliverer. I don't know whether you've all realised that I'm an over-deliverer, but I'm happy with that. So as long as it's not too much time out of your day, I'm going to start with the old regular information. You know, hi, how are you? Hope you're doing well. Welcome, welcome. Had a couple of newbies, so big shout out to that. Okay, so we all know the community is about learning and connecting in a way that is less formal than traditional counselling, but underpinned by the principles that I work with, which I love. Um, If you don't know me, I am V Vincy. I'm a registered counsellor, relationship and family therapist and founder of Headquarters Counselling Services, and I help people pinpoint confusion and chaos so that you can achieve the clear, calm and confident life you want. If you are joining me for the first time, you can pretty much jump into pretty much any point. However, I'm gonna say that I am on a bit of a series at the moment, I do this every now and then, and the series we're looking at is change. So that word can strike fear into huge amounts of people, but without change, our lives would simply become stagnant and die off anyway. So just look at nature. There must be change for growth to occur. Now, what I have been focusing on is this question. Are you actually ready for change? We have specifically identified the stages of change and asking you to look at where you are in that order or in that set of um, series of changes in order to make it stick or work through the resistance before you undertake the change you want. Now, this is super important because otherwise the likelihood of relapse is really high. And I think I was saying to someone today that, because I work with the model of change a lot, and I said to them, if there was anything that I could change about that model, because I didn't make it up, it is actually a model. If there was anything I could change about it, it would be the word relapse, because we have really associated it with some pretty shitty things now, but relapse is a mistake. Relapse is, oh shit, that didn't work. Um, What relapse can do is is force us into this uh, almost a shaming element of, oh my God, I've done so badly, I've made such a big mistake, I'm never gonna be able to come back from there. Honestly, there's very few mistakes that you can't come back from. So if I could change anything, it would be that word, but relapse is not meant to be, you're stuffed, you've done it, you're out, you're you're not allowed to play the game anymore, it doesn't work like that. Um, but you know, just it's there for us to be aware. So it's it's important to look at. And that's what's so important about really understanding where you are in that set of changes. Now, last week we looked at the pleasure pain principle, which is a Freudian concept that says that we make decisions from either a pain perspective, which is where we avoid short-term pain, if you're not sure whether you can, or whether there'll be any pleasure gained in the long-term, or we work from a pleasure perspective, where you can act only for short-term pleasure, minimizing the long-term risk. 
it's important to understand and know where you operate from in order to use it as an advantage or challenge the patterning of it. And we need this because the one thing that will consistently support change, your motivation to stick to the new action plan. So this principle moves you to either take action or refrain from taking action, to either pursue your goals or laze around in front of the TV all day. We either take action moving us towards pleasure or away from pain. So it would stand to reason that if you can therefore master the pleasure pain principle, then you should find the motivation you need to achieve all your goals. Simple, right? Well, nothing's ever that simple, is it, in this world particularly? Of course, it makes sense, but it doesn't always work. And often it doesn't work because we rarely take the time to understand our trigger points. These are the things that spark motivation. So trigger points are the fundamental keys that will help you move towards the attainment of your goals. However, the challenge here is that trigger points vary from person to person. And what motivates you forward may not inspire any action whatsoever within another person and vice versa. And we often tend to look out, well, what are they doing? Oh, well, I'll do that. But we don't look in and go, what do I need to propel me forward? Now, don't know you. Most of you, I don't know. Some of you I know. But to be honest, even the ones of you, the, those of you that I do know, I don't know what stimulates the greatest amount of pain for you. And I also don't know what the pleasurable triggers are that get you to act in various situations. And this is something you're going to have to figure out for yourself or, you know, you come and we have a chat about it. But what I can do is present you with a vast amount of information to help you understand yourself enough so that it might help spark you to think about your motivation differently. All right, so let's begin by looking at what motivation is. Motivation is the process that initiates, guides, and maintains goal-oriented behaviours. It is what causes you to act, whether it is getting a glass of water to reduce thirst or to read a book to gain knowledge. Motivation involves the biological, emotional, social, and cognitive forces that activate behaviours. So that's our gut instincts, our feelings, our social environments, our thoughts, every all of those components act together together, and they and from that we will activate a behavior of some sort. In everyday use, the term motivationally motivation is frequently used to describe why a person does something. It's the driving force behind human actions. Now, motivation just doesn't refer to the factors that activate behaviours. It also involves the factors that direct and maintain those actions. And this is what is super important because the factors that direct and maintain actions really are rarely observable. They're not something we see. They're, a they're an inner motivation. So as a result, we often have to infer reasons why people do things they do based on the behaviours we see. And this is where we make assumptions about others. For example, we will often go, why would they have done that? And then what we find is that we answer our own question, but they are simply our assumptions of the observable behaviour. It's what we've seen them doing. Different types of motivations are frequently described as being either extrinsic or intrinsic. 
Okay, so extrinsic motivations are those that arise from outside of you as an individual and often involve external rewards. So trophies, money, uh, social recognition, you know, wanting to be liked or praised. Intrinsic motivations are those that come from within you, such as doing on a really basic, uh, for a really basic example, complicated puzzle, um, crossword puzzles, purely because you get the gratification of solving a problem, right? There's satisfaction in that. Or becoming aware of a pattern that is causing you to feel not great about yourself and changing it to feel better about yourself only. You're not changing it to make somebody else feel good. You're making it because you are done with it. That comes from inside. Now, I want you to start thinking of motivation from an intrinsic point, from an internal point. Because if we spent as much time thinking about our own internal directions, then maybe motivation wouldn't be such a problem when it comes to changing behaviour. We tend to look for external motiva motivation and we attach it to an internal change. And I mean, if you're looking to lose weight, then seriously, I am not your girl. There are people far better qualified and motivated for that. People come to me to look at why something keeps happening. This is an external behaviour motivated by something internal that they are not aware of because often they've been around the traps. I've tried this, I've tried that, I've tried this, I've tried that, and they're all external. And so what my role is, okay, well, you've tried all the outside bits. What's, what about inside? What's stopping you from the inside doing it? Because it's these external behaviours that are motivated um, external behaviour behaviours motivated. Oh my God, I've got the um, wobbles on with my speaking today. So external behaviours motivated by something internal that they are not aware of or don't know how to change is why people come to me. Okay, now I want you to understand your triggers for motivation so it helps you become aware of and change unhealthy behaviours. It helps you feel more in control of your life. It will help you improve your overall well-being and happiness simply because you have gained some knowledge about something about yourself that you didn't know before. And ultimately, it will trigger you into taking some action. All right, so without action, you stay exactly where you are. So for those of you motivated by pain, until the pain of staying where you are becomes bigger than taking the step, then you'll stay there. That's it. If you understand that, you can push yourself to take a step earlier. Still going to be fearful, but not necessarily as painful as you think. For those of you who are motivated by pleasure, you need to have make sure that you've got a carrot on the other side of that pain that you're going to want. That's your motivation there. So anyone who's had a goal, like wanting to lose 10 kilos or running a marathon, you would immediately realise that simply having the desire to accomplish something is not enough. Achieving such a goal requires the ability to persist through the obstacles and endurance to keep going in spite of the difficulties. So there are three major components of motivation. Activation, which is where you start. Persistence, which keeps, which keeps you going. And intensity, which is the amount of energy that you place into it, okay? 
So it's it's the activation is the the initial decision. It's initiating the new behavior. So it is part of the change model. It becomes the preparation and the action follow through. Okay, so I'm going to start. I've decided I'm going to do this. I'm going to book into the fitness class. The persistence is continuing to go every week, week after week. The intensity, well, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been to a fitness class where I rock up every week, do as little as possible and um, go home and feel good about that for a little bit until there is no changes, no results come. And then I get pissed off and go, this shit's not working. But what's not working is me. I'm not working. In fact, I'm not working hard enough. That's the intensity. Okay, so the degree of each of those components of motivation can impact whether or not you achieve your goal. Strong activation means that you are more likely to start pursuing your goal. Persistence and intensity will determine if you keep working towards it and how much effort you devote to reaching it. Now, all people experience fluctuations in their motivation and willpower. Sometimes you might feel fired up and highly driven to reach your goals. Well, other times you just might feel completely disengaged or unsure of what you want or how to achieve it. And, you know, they're the really tough times of motivation when you sometimes know what you want, you're engaged and you don't know how to get it. Oh, my God, that is like deflating a balloon. Often the other ways, um, you know, not being sure you can spend a little bit of time and you can have some fun figuring out what you want but if you're deflating the balloon and you just and and it can be really really unmotivating so if you can't get motivated to clean your house or you just aren't feeling motivated to lose weight or your motivation is standing still simply because you don't know what to do a lack of it, it can be the biggest obstacle Sometimes no motivation can be the problem, but at other times, no motivation is simply a symptom of a bigger problem. And we need to consider the reasons why you're struggling. And we need to go deeper than, I just don't like what I'm doing. Identify the reasons so that you can self-manage them. Then you develop a plan to help motivate yourself to get going. This is what will give you more than enough motivation to take the step toward what you want. So what reasons do I want you to consider? The ones you can't see, the ones that are on the inside of your head, having a smart ass conversation with you in the background, like the worst sarcastic friend you've ever come across. Because our little inner critic doesn't go, it's okay, you'll have better luck next time. It doesn't. Here's an example. You make a decision to step out of your comfort zone and um, you take a risk with a business idea or a hobby that you think you can turn into a business. You'd be surprised how often I actually see and hear this scenario, right? That people come in, they go, I've got this really good idea. And then nothing. Nada. You stop. What I hear is, I have a time management problem. I just don't have enough time to fit it all in. I'm really busy. I couldn't possibly do that. Too many people need me to do this. It's just too much work. Now, this is what you may be saying to me and to others, but guess what? It may not actually be what you're hearing on the inside. You might be hearing something like this. 
what if people buy this thing what if it goes wrong what if I don't finish each product like the last one or the first one for that matter what this tells me is that what you're hearing is the perfectionistic story now all of a sudden your lack of motivation doesn't stem from too busy or not enough time your lack of motivation comes from fear that you won't complete the task perfectly so until you address the need to be perfect your motivation isn't likely to increase this is the truth of the matter the driver in the case is perfectionism not the goal it's the then that's the thing that's where we don't often see what is driving the behavior we just see the behavior so we either see you doing something really shitty or we see you doing nothing and we go oh what a lazy shit but inside is the fear of taking the risk to do something so they're hard questions to ask yourself so what i want you to do is take a few minutes to consider why you might have trouble motivating yourself and i want to give you some of the common reasons for a lack of motivation first one avoidance of discomfort people whether you don't want to feel bored when you're doing a boring task or you are trying to avoid feelings of frustration or by dodging a tough challenge sometimes a lack of motivation stems from a desire to avoid uncomfortable feelings now that is truth and so you've probably hit it right on the head there and this is probably going to apply to you but a fear of failure how uncomfortable is that feeling it's a really really uncomfortable feeling and people don't want to feel it so we avoid it next one can be self-doubt when you think you can you can't do something or you're convinced you can't tolerate the distress associated with it you're likely going to struggle to get started it fits in with the discomfort it fits in with the perfectionism story these are stories we tell ourselves the fear of being magnificent you know that's a huge one because often people are not actually afraid of failure they're afraid of what success does so you have to ask yourself what does what would success look like i've had to ask myself this question if what i want to do takes off what is that going to where's that going to leave me what do i have to give up to manage the success it's a big question fear of other what other people think of you that comes in fear of being overextended. When you have a, going a lot going on in life, you will likely feel overwhelmed and it can completely zap your motivation and stop you with fear. This one's a good one too. So it's lack of commitment to a goal. So agreeing to a task simply because you feel obliged or declaring a resolution out of peer pressure may mean your heart really isn't in it. And this fits into our stages of change asking you to really look at where you are in that model you likely won't take any action when you are not committed to your goal and this is called alignment is your time energy and focus in alignment is it what uh you are is what you are saying you want in alignment with the actions required for you to get there if you are not motivated then i would be asking do i really want what i am asking for if yes then look underneath if no then change the goal 
So many people don't change the goal. We have become stuck in the concept we apply at the dinner table. If it's on your plate, eat it. No, don't. If you don't want to eat it, don't eat it. Question why are you doing what you are doing? If the vision and action are not in alignment, guess what happens? You get the old one foot on the accelerator, one foot on the brake, and that's going to take you nowhere. You decide whether the brake or the accelerator are applied. You are in total control of it. Figure out why you've got your foot on the brake and not on the accelerator or which one's doing it, it's underneath. You might find that your lack of motivation stems from other issues like the fear of what people think of you or the desire to please everyone, but can really carefully consider the underlying thoughts and feelings that are affecting your drive. What you could do with this, if I don't know whether you guys have taken notes along the way. I, I do know that people come into my office with notes of the stuff that they've taken down in, in these podcasts, which is real podcasts and these lives, which is really, really good because what that allows you to do, if you were to go back over the um, topics on self-doubt and uh, those areas, you would have found that you would have written down the things that cause you a lot of doubt. I'm afraid of, um, you know, stepping out of my comfort zone or whatever. Go back and have a look because you've probably answered your questions. And if you haven't, go and do self-doubt. Go and have a look at the self-doubt module and, and answer the questions. Have a look at it because I think you'll get some answers for that. A little bit deeper than, oh, you know, I don't really like exercising at six o'clock. It's got nothing to do with the time. Now, Another reason for a lack of motivation is mental health issues. Now, lack of motivation is a common symptom of depression and anxiety, and it's important to consider whether your mental health may be, effective, may be affecting your motivation level. However, can I say that a lack of motivation can also affect your mental health? So sitting idle because you don't look deep enough under your lack of motivation can affect thoughts about yourself which will affect your mental health. Don't confuse one with the other. So what to do? Here are some tips. First one, love this one, trick the brain. Yes, trick the brain. Act as if you feel motivated. Yes, crazy, I know. You may be able to trick yourself into feeling motivated by changing your behavior. Remember, actions are the easiest thing to change. Act as if you felt motivated and your actions will change your emotions. How? Well, rather than sit in the couch on the in your pyjamas all day waiting for motivation to knock on the door, get dressed and get moving. You might find that taking action will increase your motivation, which makes it easier to keep going. And it's a really tricky one because people who are depressed often say the biggest um, pet hate they have is someone saying to them, well, you know, just do something different. Get up and motivate yourself. But the reality is, is that it's the truth. You just don't want to hear it. So you're probably not at the ready stage to change. But it's really difficult when you're depressed because your thinking isn't clear. And it's, it's, it's about being able to go, am I depressed? And looking at that. And if you are, then one, get help. But two, it's about doing changing things up, trick the brain into thinking you are. The most powerful question you can ask yourself, so write this down, 
what would I be doing right now if I felt motivated? Consider what you'd be wearing, how you'd be thinking, what actions you'd be taking. Then do those things and see if your motivation level increases. Number two, I'm going to come, I know that you've written something, so I'm going to come back to it. So I just want to finish this bit off. So number two, first one is trick the brain. Second one, argue the opposite. So when you're struggling with motivation, you likely come up with a long list of reasons why you shouldn't take any action. You might think it'll be too hard or I'll never get it done anyway. So these types of thoughts will keep you stuck. Try arguing the opposite. So when you think you're going to fail, argue all the reasons why you might succeed. Now, a lot of research tells you to evidence that uh, to list evidence that shows you that you will be able to complete the task. Guess what? This is flawed slightly because the reality is there is no evidence. That's the issue really. The underlying feeling may be that you don't believe you are good enough or that you aren't smart enough or have enough credentials. You will need to do this anyway with the opposites. Challenge yourself and still argue the opposite even when no evidence exists. So arguing the opposite can help you see both ends of the spectrum and it can remind you that an overly pessimistic outcome isn't completely accurate. Number three, practice self-compassion. Now, this is my favourite actually and you might think being hard on yourself is the key to getting motivated, but harsh self-criticism, it doesn't work. Research shows that self-compassion is actually more motivating as it works on integrating the part of inner child self that is looking to feel reassurance. Speak to yourself kindly. Rather than beat yourself up for mistakes or call yourself names, create a kinder inner dialogue. This doesn't mean you need to repeat positive affirmations like I'm the best person in the world. We all know how I feel about those sayings that mean nothing to you. Healthy self-compassion balances self-acceptance with self-improvement. So acknowledge your flaws, mistakes and failures with honesty, but don't indulge in the pity party. Find something that works for you. Now, this one, it's called the 10-minute rule. And it, it's I put it in here and I was thinking, oh, geez, I wonder if anyone's actually going to do this. And do you know what? Today, somebody walked in and they had used this to help them conquer something that they had feared. They used the 10-minute rule. They did it in 15-minute increments. When you dread doing something, like walking on the treadmill for, you know, three bloody Ks or you lack motivation to do it. If you don't want to do it, you're going to be, you, you won't, you lack the motivation. This works with fear too. If you're afraid to do something, the motivation will be hard. But you can reduce feelings of dread by proving to yourself that the task isn't as bad as you think or that you have the strength to tolerate it better than you envision. The 10-minute rule get help, can help you get started. Give yourself permission to quit a task after 10 minutes. So when you reach the 10-minute mark, ask yourself if you want to keep going or quit. You'll likely find that you have enough motivation to keep going. Now, I can vouch for this one, actually, because it's what I do when I'm running the stairs at the moment. Now, I've been on a fitness challenge for a year. In fact, it was part of a birthday that shall not be mentioned, where I said to myself, I want to be fit but not give up my life. No weight goals, no calorie counts, no time frames, no giving up food, wine or cheese. 
just a commitment to take the action needed to be fitter. Okay, so I took a lot away a lot of the parameters. It was just, you know what, I want to be fit. Now, apparently, this involves stairs and it bloody worked, but that doesn't mean I love it. Nowadays, I run those buggers twice a week and every time I start with, just do five. And if it's too much, you can stop. But I never do. I do the required 10 simply because once you start, you're unlikely to stop because your body will follow through. Your mind will follow your body. If your mind is there, your body will keep moving. It's a really cool trick. And I didn't think it would work, but it's worked every time so far. So if you're lacking motivation to start working on a boring report or you can't seem to get yourself off the couch, use the 10-minute rule. Next one, change it up. Fresh air, a change of scenery or a little exercise can do wonders for your motivation. But walking in nature as opposed to a busy urban street can be especially beneficial because it offers a calming effect that rejuvenates the brain, which can help motivate you to do a tough task. So rather than walk down a crowded street, go to the park or to a garden instead, even in your own bloody back garden. It doesn't matter. I've got a really cool spot that I actually go and sit in sometimes at my place if I want to. And it's it's weird because it's not somewhere that I would normally sit, but it's around, it's got that nature style around it and, and it really helps. It, can, it provides a little mental escape. So then you can return to the, the project that you you have to do because sometimes we've just got to do shit, let's be honest. Next one, pair a dreaded task with something you enjoy. Now, this is your pleasure pain principle. Um, your emotions play a major role in your motivation level. If you're sad, bored, lonely or anxious, your desire to tackle a tough challenge is going to suffer. So you boost your mood by adding a little fun to something that you're not motivated to do. You'll feel happier. Now, a couple of examples. This one's a bit of a no-brainer if you're a runner. Listen to music while you run. That's proven. But you know what? Call a friend and talk while you're cleaning the house. Put your bloody earbuds on when you're doing so when you're washing the dishes or something and talk to a friend. Um, lighter. Some people will have uh, big fear smell. Like if you if you went through the one of the earlier lives and it talked about senses, people who have a really big sense with smell. They light scented candles or they put on um, incense burners while they're working at the computer. It just relaxes, it tricks the brain to think that they're doing something nice and zen when actually they're working on, on whatever they have to do. Um, you know what? Get someone to come and run errands with you. Pick up a friend. I've done this before. I'm coming past. I've got to do a really shitty bloody job. Do you want to come with me? And they just pick somebody up and they come with you. Turn on a favourite show while you're folding the laundry. you just got to make sure that your fun doesn't impair your performance. So if you're watching TV while writing, um, you know, finishing a report, it might distract, distract you and slow you down even more. Uh, so just be aware of it and be mindful. Manage your to-do list. Now, we've looked at this a little bit because you've got to be realistic with what you do. It's tough to feel motivated when your to-do list is overwhelming. If you feel like there's no hope in getting anything done, you're never going to start anything. Uh, and you know what? Most people underestimate how long something will take them. And when they don't get it done on time, they view themselves as lazy or inefficient. And this can backfire by causing you to lose motivation, which makes it even harder. Take a look at your to-do list and determine if it's too long. Prioritise the important things and move those to the top and move the other tasks to a different day. 
practice self-care. I'm not going to go into this one for too much because we've spent a huge amount of time doing it. You know it. Be really um, strict with it. Be really strict. Make it a priority. It, it's a reset for yourself. Reward yourself for working. Again, the pleasure praying principle. You've got to create a small reward for yourself so you can earn the um, for, for all your hard work. It, it's really, really important because if you don't, it's honestly, I mean, why would we do anything for nothing at the end of the day? We've got to give ourselves a little carrot. Uh, but what you've got to make sure that your rewards don't sabotage your efforts. So rewarding yourself with a bag of chips after the gym is counterproductive. We all know that. Um, and counterproductive bad habits will decrease your motivation in the long term. Okay. You know, and you know what? It's something to add to your list. You can if your if one of your things underneath motivation is self-sabotage, add it to your list because you need to look at why do I self-sabotage. Now, there are two things that you need to watch out for that will derail motivation. One, quick fixes or all or nothing thinking. All right, that's your immediate gratification. It's easy to feel unmotivated if you can't fix something immediately or if you can't have it all at once. It takes time. It's a journey i hate that word but it's the process the other one thinking that one size fits all just because an approach or method worked for someone else does not mean it will work for you if it doesn't work for you in that particular way it change it if something isn't helping you reach your goals or makes you feel unmote look for something better for you okay now i'm going to have a look at what did you say here sue so how do you cope with that catch-22 situation whereby your goal is to please others, what is expected of you, and a goal to please yourself. What you put when one goes against the grain of the other. How do you deal? How do you deal with no guilt for choosing yourself? Oh, my darling, you need to go back and watch the series on guilt. I think the thing is, is that, the catch-22 is the inner conflict you have of pleasing yourself or others. I've, I've, this is what I've got to say with that. We have a, I have a little saying that says, I would rather piss somebody else off than piss myself off. So think about that. Does that if that may answer your question. Because if you're trying to please both people, and they don't want what you they don't want what you want well it's an impossible task so you're either going to give up your own happiness for somebody else or you're going to piss somebody off that's it so my question to you is why can't anyone be angry at you that's a question i would have why can't anyone be angry at you because otherwise you're wanting everyone to be happy for what you do, but not everyone will do that. Does that make sense? But the, the statement, I would rather piss off somebody else than piss myself off, have a think about that one because you've got to live with you. I'll tell you what, I, I've, I've said this a few times and even to my husband and he'll go, well, I don't really want you to do that. I know, hun, I don't know you don't want me to do that, but if I don't do that, I'm going to be really pissed at me and if I'm really pissed at me, I'm going to be pissed at you. So I don't know which one's worse to live with. And he'll always go, oh, fuck, you know what, do it. 
but let's you know and, and i'm not doing i'm not talking about being disrespectful i don't do anything that is disrespectful to my husband or my marriage but sometimes what i want is not necessarily the same thing that he wants and so we've got to balance that out but at the end of the day my answer will always be i i, I if this is going to piss me off more than it's going to piss you off i'm sorry but i can't live with myself for that i hope that answers your question I love the engagement with you guys. You know what? It's really, really good. It's good engagement because this is the power of community engagement and something that I'm trying to do more of. When I get my program running, it's going to be working on group stuff because the power is often in the group. The power is the question that Sue has the courage to ask is often something that other people are grappling with and either maybe didn't want to put it out there or they didn't know how to word it. But the answer that I give Sue is often going to be the answer that somebody else is going to go, oh man, that's exactly what I needed to hear at that point. And that's really good. So I often love group work because the power is in the group. You teach each other. All I do is give you information. You guys would teach each other. You're never going to please anyone. It's an impossible... It's an impossible situation which leaves you with an internal conflict. And the, that's the problem with pissing yourself off. Your internal conflict is huge. You're having an internal war, a war with your head and your heart. All right? And I tell you, I'd rather lose the war. I'd rather have a war with somebody else than a war in here because the external war I can choose to give up. The internal war, it just doesn't shut up. All right, so... Thanks, guys. You're awesome. I will be back next week. Uh, enjoy the evening and I will see you.